And I am joined in studio by Professor Yvonne Sardozzi. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us on the 123 Show today, Yvonne. That's my great pleasure. And so word on the street is that you are the, you're the person to talk to about grouper. Oh, really? <laughs> That's it. That's the word on the street. Well, I, the... I guess it could be worse. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I've, I've certainly spent a lot of my life working on groupers, um, and I would say four plus decades, uh, wow. both in the Caribbean, um, where I spent quite a long time, and also Southeast Asia and the Pacific. So I, I got a little bit of uh, you've, you've experience got, you, yeah. under my belt. Amazing. And so like, I've got this wrong because I thought, I, I thought they were go-rooper, not groupers. And then I was looking up on the university website. How have I gotten that wrong? Oh, I have no idea. Okay, Um, so it's... it's Grouper grouper is the name. And actually, I have looked to see where that name comes from because they actually do have a very interesting grouping habit. But actually, it doesn't come from that. And I think the most convincing explanation for the origin of grouper was it's it's, it's an anglicised version of a... I think it's a, a Portuguese word. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So it's not, it doesn't, yeah. Cause I've just always, I think I was like, oh, I got this wrong. It was Garupa. And so let's, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, what is a grouper? Oh, what is a grouper? <laughs> um, so I think in Hong Kong, a lot of people will have seen this fish, um, particularly in the tanks outside of restaurants. Uh, so the tanks with the live fish mm-hmm, swimming mm-hmm, around, mm-hmm. Uh, they can be brown, speckly, they can be colored. A lot of those will be groupers. They're, they're very important part of, of the kind of seafood industry here generally they are they occur across the world yeah um, there's about 160 species across the world and wow. Hong Kong actually has about 20 species so we have quite a diverse Gosh. diverse species range of groupers so these are I guess if I had to describe generally they're medium to large size reef fishes yeah. and they're important predators mm-hmm. uh, they're important on the reef and they're important for restaurants and for people so people eat them so they're not just part of an ecosystem they're they're i don't think i don't i don't eat grouper myself but i think i've you know i see them often on menus i guess and you do see them outside they're not um they're not i mean they've got a face that a marine biologist could love (laughs) and 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 the mother could love love, (laughs) their mother could love uh yes i guess they're not they're not the prettiest of fish but Mm. some of them uh, particularly the big ones, and I think the biggest ones tend to be the oldest ones. They're more experienced. They've been around sure, sure, a little bit. Sure. They will. They will sometimes make eye contact with you. Really? And what I mean by that is, as a diver, when you're on the reef yeah. and you see them sticking their head out of the hole or yeah. sitting on the reef, um, you actually look at them and they seem to kind of look back at you. Wow. Uh, they're pretty. They're pretty obvious because they are some of the biggest fish on the reef and some of them are very beautiful even mm. reds and mm. and there's one which is a kind of a blue yellow combination so there are some pretty beautiful fish and you've seen them here in hong kong in some of our reefs i have i have seen them here um the thing is that hong kong's waters are very overfished yes so what that means is a lot of fish that were in the past historically in very great abundance mm. uh we really don't see very many of those and so um you can go and see groupers nowadays but there are not many and they're mm. not very big because mm. they're taken before they grow so right. one very famous one is called the hong it's actually a hong kong grouper that's yes. its common it's name called the hong kong yeah. grouper. and sure. it's uh, that's hong ban which is the local name so that one you do still see occasionally but it's quite rare now oh really and so i mean you've, you've studied them for a long time what got you interested in groupers what was the fascination groupers. with them i 
I think from a very young age, I wanted to do something in the water with animals. Mm. That was just one of so you've always been whatever a, that was. A, in love with the ocean type yes, of thing. Sure. Yes, and I don't know where that came from because I was brought up in, in London, <laughs> very far from the ocean. And the first fish I ate were fish fingers. Uh, so so I, that, that was kind of, that was a, a given basically mm. to work on these fish. And then I started working on what I thought was, and I still do, a really interesting habit that they have, which is they change their sex. Now, now just to put wow. that in a little bit of context, they're vertebrates, which means they're kind of advanced animals mm -hmm. like ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, but they have this incredible capability where they start their life as a baby, become a female, and then change their sex to become a male. Now, that's a massive change, hormonal, behavioral, yes. physical. So this is an incredible switch but not only that they do it because of social stimulus so they don't change at a certain size or age it's because of what others in their right group so they, they change because they need more the group needs more males that's or correct. the group needs more females so if, if males wow. are removed say by fishing then um more females will change sex so i was just interested in that habit i was also interested in in how commercial fishing how that interacts with the biology like that because not many types of fish that we exploit, that we fish, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. have that sex change habit. And if you think about it very briefly, if you change sex from female to male, the males are the biggest. Yes. Sure. When we fish, we tend to fish the biggest. And so you can end up with a fishery that removes pretty much all of the males, wow. not leaving many to reproduce. And so this interaction between fishing and the biology of the animal really fascinated me. And I've built on that really for decades. Goodness me. And have you found this happening in other places, or is like you 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 weren't always in Hong Kong? What brought you out to to Hong Kong oh. to? When you say this happening in other oh, places, oh, I mean like um, mean... and specifically with the groupers. Is it is it or is it just Hong Kong in our because we're so overfished here oh. that this is really a really good place to observe this happening, or is it? happening in other parts of the world as well. This is, is happening in other parts of the world because groupers are right across from the Atlantic, right across Pacific and Southeast Asia. So they're right around that kind mm, of the, mm. the world in the tropics and the subtropics. And yes, I did. Uh, when I worked in the Caribbean for about a decade, I saw a lot of this overfishing. And yes. when you have that, in the catches, you get smaller fish, you get fewer fish, and the populations can collapse. And in fact, some of the group, one of the groupers I worked with actually became endangered, which was mm. one of the first examples of a marine fish in that category. So I was, I just got interested in this. And when the, the job um, advert went out from the University of Hong Kong, I really jumped at the chance to come here because I knew there were a lot of groupers. I knew that very little was known about them in this region. I had no idea about the fishing. Mm -hmm. But to me and my, my husband, it was a fantastic opportunity to come to this part of the world. And that was 26 years ago. Gosh, my goodness. So you've obviously enjoyed it. <laughs> yes, time. And so, much. I mean, it's like Hong Kong is not always, I mean, I also, I love Hong Kong and I also grew up here and swimming in the sea in Hong Kong. And even though, you know, our beaches may not be as enviable as you just returned from the Maldives, <laughs> which is, you know, the, the world where we, the world gets its screensaver photography oh, from. Yes, yes. Um, but um, of course, uh, Hong Kong, we don't always think of our beaches and our coastlines as these sort of amazing, vibrant places, but they are, right? They are. And... And I think it's such a shame because you know, just if, you, if you're even in, if you're in the center of the city, mm. the massive built-up area, we're within a few kilometers um, of the sea. And uh, if that sea is the east coast, then we've got reefs, we've got something like eighty species of corals, more than the Caribbean. Yes, which is we've amazing. got over a thousand species of fish. Just in, that's just in Hong Kong waters, which is really an incredible diversity. So, 
for various kind of um, geographic um, and biological reasons, we have this big diversity of fish. And, and that's one of the reasons we had so many groupers and we have uh, many other types of reef fishes as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. All right, we're going to come back. Welcome back to the 123 Show on this Tuesday afternoon and I'm still chatting to Yvonne Sardozzi, Professor of Marine Biology and Ecology at HKU. Hi again, Yvonne. Hi. And we've been talking about groupers and Hong Kong biodiversity in the ocean, everything else that's happening there. And so um, we chatted a little bit about, um, I'd love to know a little bit more about groupers because I think they're like, they're a little bit misunderstood, right? They're kind of these... They're not. They're not a cuddly-looking fish. They're not a. They're not going to be in a Finding Nemo movie anytime soon. No, no, that, that's true. They don't actually have a, a lot going for them, looks-wise. Mm. Um, so, uh, we talked a little bit about the sex change. So mm -hmm. they go from female to male. Actually, they can switch back again as well. Can they? Yeah, maybe really? they decide they don't want to be a male and switch back. No, I, I'm joking. <laughs> it's it's um, that they can. They have this flexibility. Is it quite? quick like how long does it, it take it probably takes a number of months oh right okay yes. sure so that's sure. been done kind of in experiments and yeah so they yeah. can follow it yeah so one of the other aspects that i really find fascinating and which is completely spectacular i would say it's it's one of those wildlife spectacles that is maybe a little bit un, unsung is the uh, spawning aggregation so what they do is aggregate is to gather together mm -hmm. spawning mm -hmm. is to reproduce it's the mm -hmm. word we use so that's a reproductive gathering and they will, many species, the bigger ones, will come together at a very short period each year at a very specific time and place, mm -hmm. very predictable actually. And they will come together sometimes in their hundreds, sometimes in their thousands, but sometimes in their tens of thousands. Wow. And to have that many fish sort of pretty much in front of you in a all gathered together, ready to find a mate, ready to spawn, which is releasing the eggs Gosh. and sperm, is an absolute fantastic spectacle. So now there's actually quite a lot of footage online mm. with that, but so it would be spawning aggregation. Um, but I think that's one of the things that groupers are very famous for. And these aggregations have been also the basis of fisheries as well, because fishermen can catch a lot of fish right, sure. in a short mm -hmm. period of time. Mm -hmm. But they're also accidentally catching some of the future fish? Well, this is, this is, fish? Yes, yeah. this is actually the problem, that because these aggregations are very time and place specific, once they're discovered, they're e easy to fish. Now, that's okay if they're managed, if the fishery is controlled, mm -hmm. but most are not, not mm -hmm. for groupers anyway. Mm. And what's been happening is that bit by bit, these aggregations are being wiped out, no babies, no right. fishery. And Gosh. so this is really a serious problem now and increasingly so, uh, particularly in Southeast Asia. Gosh, and so how long does a grouper live for? Depends on the species. So yeah. the smaller species live shorter usually than longer. So let's take the longest ones. The longest that we know is the giant grouper, biggest reef fish in the world, and that is um, probably at least 40 years old. 40 years and old. But think about, to put this in context, mm. the Asian elephant only lives maybe about 42 years. Goodness so this me. is, we have to think of this, this kind of fish in a very different way from a lot of other fish because we know we can't take lots of elephants and not have problems with mm. elephants. It's mm. the same with these groupers. The bigger ones, if you take too many too quickly, their populations simply will crash. Gosh, and you mentioned they're predators, they're predator fish. Yes. So what do they eat here or in, in Hong Kong? What does the Hong Kong grouper eat? They, the Hong Kong grouper would eat little fish mm -hmm. um, or even they, they can open their mouths pretty big so they can actually eat 
fish close to their own size. Wow, are they fast shrimp? They, they yes, so, so the way fish? the way they will they'll pursue. It does depend a bit on the species, but they'll pursue. They'll lock into the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the prey. They'll pursue the prey, move along, and then. Um, they can do a last-minute dash would be one thing. Or the other thing they do is they open the mouth very rapidly, and that creates a vacuum. Wow. And so for smaller things like shrimps and crabs, that would suck it in. Gosh, so I they're, they're, they're really designed for fit for purpose. Yeah, wow. Because I, I mean, I think the thing is, you, I've never, I've never seen a grouper in the wild in all my time snorkeling or diving. I've never seen oh, a grouper, wow. but um, I see them obviously all the time in a fish tank mm -hmm. in Hong Kong outside a seafood restaurant, and they don't look. They, you know, they they don't present the complexity and the fascination no. that they would have. They're just there, and I often find it very sad. Actually, I find looking at a huge grouper in a fish tank breaks my heart. And I think it's that same feeling of, you know, if you were to look at a an elephant in a tiny room, you know, yeah. you just feel like it's like you said, it's it's one of those creatures that has a bit of majesty in our, you know, in our, yeah, in our world. I, I would agree, and they. Um you know these animals move over large areas of the reef so i think it must be very constraining and they are they are as i mentioned they're vertebrates so they're mm. complex animals and mm. some of these can actually learn to do things so these are not just kind of mindless they can um, learn to do things yeah so and so at some level so they were they yeah. learn to avoid divers right, um, sure. that, no, are, that, are, that are catching yeah. them and things yeah. like that but at some level they, this must be very stressful for them to be in these conditions and to be kind of crammed together yes. uh, in these tiny tanks yes and so what's i mean that creates a bit of disconnect i mean the WWF in hong kong has said that groupers are what's the word that is a delicacy in danger mm. um but you know which is one way they're trying to obviously drum up public you know, empathy for the plight of the animal is that, you know, people are like, you know, if you want to keep eating them, we kind of need to protect them, which I understand. But I mean, um, is there a, there's a bit of disconnect there mm. because we see them everywhere. So how is that different to the ones that are out there on the reef? If we're seeing if them, we see them everywhere in tanks, for yeah, example, yeah, yes, tanks. on menus, etc. There is a disconnect. Uh, so in, in terms of seeing them everywhere, one of the things that's difficult for consumers sort of what we who mm -hmm. only at the end point of, of the whole trade chain for these groupers one of the big difficulties is that what we don't realize is how, the extent to which these animals are consolidated in one in, into say Hong Kong for example yes. from many many different places and as fish run out in one place traders or fishermen will just move to another place so mm -hmm. we don't see that process right so there's a kind of a slow serial what we call a serial overfishing the movement of trade further and further to find fish as they become overfished, as they disappear. So as a consumer, we don't see that because mm -hmm. we always see fish in the, in the marketplace. Right. And so in the wild, are they, are they social? Do they have, I mean, they come together, you said, just for spawning, but do you see one or two together or are they, they kind of like, they just, you know, they, they meet up with the family once every so often and then they're kind of off doing their own thing? They, um, they are social. So these aggregations, if you actually follow fish or we film fish and then watch watch what's actually happening, they're very structured. So males, uh, for the aggregation period, males will come in, hold a territory. Then a few days later, the females will come in. They're big and fat, full of eggs. And the males will compete for the females. Oh, they for compete. For a few days, they, do yep, compete. they compete. Wow. You see it. You see them changing their colors. They use the colors to communicate their sort of anger at each other Gosh, and all the rest wow. of it. And, and the successful males will mate with a lot of females. And some species will mate just in male and female pair, others in a female with multiple males. So many of the species can be really different, but it's a very specific kind of social structure. They have little home ranges and they defend these home ranges. Mm. 
um, because they need them for food, they need them for shelter, against others. So yes, they are they are quite quite social. Okay. You 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 mentioned earlier about eating them, and I suppose you know can we continue yeah. eating them? We see them in the tanks. There's so many of them. I think if there are options, there are sustainably sustainably produced groupers. I eat grouper mm-hmm. when it's sustainably produced. I like to eat grouper, but we need to make certain choices because many groupers are not sustainably fished. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so is is do you think that farming them might be a solution because a lot of marine farmers are looking to breed them and raise them is that but is that a solution to the ones we eat as opposed to the ones that are in the that we fish? This, this yeah, so is mariculture or farming yeah, a solution yeah. to overfishing? Um it's that's a, that's a really good question because I think a lot of people struggle with this. People, I think, generally like to eat fish in the wild. Mm-hmm. You know, the healthier. Uh, it's uh, a perception, isn't that? It's well, like I think the same it's, thing I as think having it's, a free-range yes, so egg. That's oh, right. Yeah. It's sort of safe, maybe safer. Then there's no risk of chemicals being mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. them. Um, and yes, the idea of a wild fish. And, and to be honest, these animals moving around the muscle is often in better condition. That makes a better eating fish. Right. But mariculture is something we do need to do. We need to do it kind of well. Uh, in other words, the right species and, and in, 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 in a way that's um, sustainable itself. But mariculture does not protect fish in the wild because we do mariculture and we do fishing. Right. We do both. We yes. don't stop fishing when we do mariculture. So these are two very, very different kinds of operations. When it comes to groupers, we have an extra challenge, which is this. Groupers eat other fish. They must eat other fish. Right. And so the, where does the food for groupers being cultured come from? It comes from the wild. Further pressure on wild ah, populations. Okay. So we are in this really difficult place right now where we don't have enough groupers to fulfill demand. Even if we culture them as well as fish them, we have problems with that production me- method, the, the mm-hmm. culturing method mm-hmm. because of the feed that they use. So I think we're at a difficult place um, and we definitely need to really rationalize these practices so that we don't lose the wild fish and we don't affect wild populations used for feed. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of, like, the average person listening who's now fallen in love with the grouper, as I have. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you know, fallen in love with the grouper, yeah. this fascinating, amazing, I won't call it the elephant of the sea because I'm definitely sure there's another animal that we call the elephant of the sea. I think it's a walrus, but... Oh, um, probably. Yeah, probably yes. something like that. But, I mean, this incredible, amazing animal. And how long, how long have... Do we know how long they've been on Earth for? Do we know are they are they are they prehistoric fish? Are they these are these are what we call the modern the modern so teleos is the technical term, but these are modern day fishes. But um, yeah, for, for they're quite they've ancient. been here longer than we have. Uh, oh yes, yeah. yes, 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 yeah, yeah, which is you know all we need to know. They yes. were here first, basically. They were <laughs> yeah. here first. Um, so if if we're listening now and you're um, you're thinking, gosh, groupers are amazing, and I mean, hopefully, anyway, we're all making using less plastic. We're doing things to preserve our coasts in Hong Kong so that we can go and see these animals. But before then, um, what are some things people can be decisions people can be making that would protect groupers, especially in Hong Kong? In Hong Kong, we actually play a very important role because so many fish are imported into the city from actually, actually pretty much all over the Indian and Pacific Oceans and Gosh, Southeast Asia. Yeah. So a lot, we, we really are like a, a, a bottleneck, mm-hmm. you could think, um, for groupers. And there are sustainably produced options. And I do know that many people are interested in that. So, for example, WWF has a seafood guide. Um, uh, uh, see, I think seafood choice guide yeah. and some groupers there are 
listed as ones which are good to choose and others which are recommended to avoid because at the moment at least we're not fishing them sustainably so this is a moving this is a moving target you mm -hmm, could say mm -hmm. we're trying to in the work of myself and many others trying to develop more sustainably produced groupers and that hopefully will give consumers more options so the, the consumer if they could select sustainably produced uh, groupers um, that were certified in some way right. that would really help uh, in the bigger picture. Fantastic. And you know what I'll do is I'll fish out one of those WWF Seafood Guides and I'll put it up on the Facebook page, Cruise on RTHK Radio 3, after this interview. So it will be there for everyone. Yvonne, thank you so much for your time today talking to us about groupers. It was absolutely